Good morning. Please turn to Acts chapter 11. In your Christian experience, have you ever had this happen where you keep hearing the same lesson again and again and again? And you might even think, this is redundant, Lord. Why am I hearing the same message again and again and again? And maybe it's because you need to hear it again and again and again. Well, listen, hear it. Because you're going to hear something very similar to what we just discussed. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for um, your goodness. You are our Father. Happy Father's Day and blessed be your name. You are a wonderful Father. We thank you for the way that you encourage us, the way that you chastise us, Lord. You correct us because you love us. We thank you for your word and that we can read it and we can think about your thoughts. We can think about what you've revealed to us and we can seek to understand it. Father, And we pray that as we know more about you that we love you more. Please help us to understand how much you love the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time, if you remember, we we did, we read about a man named Cornelius, a centurion. And we discussed that, right? Centurion, a commander of a hundred men. And this guy, Cornelius, he feared God, the text says, and prayed to God and gave money to the poor. He Quote, gave generously and prayed continually. And he has a vision. An angel of God calls his name. And here's what the angel tells him. God has heard your prayers and seen your gifts to the poor. He has remembered you. We didn't really discuss this last time, but... What we try to do, listen, humans, we try to do things all the time. Sometimes we're successful. The things that we try to do in the name of God and for good does not go unnoticed by God Almighty. He has heard your prayers. He has seen your gifts to the poor. It did not go unnoticed. In fact, he's remembered you. This is important, isn't it? Is the work done by Christians, does it go unnoticed? When missionaries go to a country and work there for four months and they can't live there and they move back home, did the four months worth of work go unnoticed by God? When mamas with little baby kids gather up their kids and bring them to church, they can't focus The kids are fidgeting and crying and need diapers changed and need to be fed. And it's a huge mess. Does it go unnoticed by God that those women and those families brought them to church anyway? Does that go unnoticed by God? And the the worldly person might say, there's no point. I'm not getting anything out of it anyway. Maybe your focus is wrong, if that's your mindset. 
We're here to worship God. To magnify His name. Thank you, Lord, that I have children. Thank you that, yes, these kids are a mess, but we're a mess, Lord, and you don't give up on us. You continuously herd us back in. You, ever, you know, I mean, the Bible calls us sheep, but I think we're more like trying to herd cats. Very difficult, if not impossible, except for the almighty power of God. God does not forget the work of His people, right? Because of the resurrection, our labor is not in vain. Not in vain. Well, the angel tells Cornelius, send to Joppa. There's a certain Peter there, 30 miles to the south of where they are. Go there, where he healed Tabitha, you remember? Tabitha had passed away, and Peter brought her back. Send people to bring Peter, and tell Peter to come visit you here. Cornelius obeyed the voice of the angel. He sent, we are told, two servants and one, quote, devout soldier to Joppa to find Peter. So the next day, Cornelius' men, right, 30 miles away, they didn't take a train or drive in a car. They walked or took a very slow form of transportation. They arrived the next day. And when they're almost there, Peter goes to the roof to pray, we are told, at noon. And he's hungry, and he asks for food to be prepared. And while he's waiting for the food... It's kind of can be a comical picture. He's so hungry, he's dreaming about food coming down from heaven. But no, God is doing something different. He falls into a trance. And he sees a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles. Rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's confused. Very confused, isn't he? What Part of what separated God's people from the heathen is the types of food that they ate. I'm not eating that. It's a pig. Look how it lives. It's not clean. And the vision is repeated three times. And God tells Peter, it's okay. Distinguishing between clean and unclean animals, it's over. But the bigger point is the people are no longer separated either. All people, listen, whosoever that have faith in Jesus as the sacrifice for their sins, they will be saved. There's no clean and unclean in the, in the way that you think. The man, the woman of faith is clean. They're clean. Jews, yes. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews. And also Gentiles. 
And then verse chapter 10, verse 34 through 43, Peter tells them the good news. He goes to Cornelius' house. Upon arriving, Cornelius has invited a lot of people, his close family and friends. And Peter tells them the good news that God shows no partiality. All who fear him can be saved. Everyone. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And in our day, this is super obvious to us, right? Every single one of us are Gentiles. I don't know any of us that have Jewish ethnicity, unless we go back to Noah. But you get the point. Cambodians and transplanted Europeans and Koreans doesn't matter. Do you believe? You're in. Do you reject God's kingdom? You're out. You say, but, but I'm, I'm an ethnic Jew. It doesn't matter. Your unbelief has become uncircumcision, if we think about it in Paul's terminology. Now, this is very important. Verses 44 through the end of the chapter Everyone who heard the word in the house is saved. The Spirit falls on them. This is, the, this is very, very, very important to, to um, the ministry of the apostles' credibility to the Gentiles. If they were to minister among the Gentiles and the Spirit not fall on them in the same way that it had at Pentecost... There would be a problem, wouldn't there? The Jews would definitely have a distinction still. But the Spirit falls on them and proves that they're full members of the covenant. Visible and seems audible proof as well in the speaking of tongues. And those Jews that were with Peter were amazed. It's this, this message, the same thing that we read in Galatians, we read in chapter 10, is repeated today in chapter 11. It may seem too repetitive, but it happened this way by God's providence. Inspired writers. This message needs to be very, very clear in our minds, in all the world's minds. God is saving all who believe. If you receive the Spirit, you're full members of the church. The Spirit is God's mark. It's a, the Bible describes it as a seal. You've all seen a seal, right? Have you ever seen the seal on your birth certificate? Do you know where your birth certificate is right now? Might have, might have been a while since you looked for it. But you've seen that. It's kind of an embossed seal and you can feel it. There's, there's a ridge on it almost. And it's, it's not easy to fake. It's an official seal. And when you show that document, Roy, they, said, they know this is a real birth certificate. That's really when he was born. That's really the hospital he was born in. Those really are his parents. How do I know? It has the official seal on it. When the Holy Spirit enters into God's people... 
There's no fake in it. It is the real deal, the real seal of God's intentions to redeem that soul. It's beginning, it will be carried out until the end. Well, let's read chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. So, if we go to 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is chapter 10. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Verse 1, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts and prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Amen. Verse 1. The people in Judea, the apostles and other believers, heard what had happened with Cornelius and the group there. They heard that the Gentiles were receiving the word. Receiving the word, believing the message. Two, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. This is very interesting. So the account, basically they've already heard what happened, right? How do they know he was with the Gentiles at all? How do they know he ate with them? Because they've already heard the story of what happened. Well, why, why aren't they criticizing Peter for preaching the gospel to them? Or baptizing them? 
Isn't that ridiculous? They know God's in favor of preaching to them and baptizing people who are believers. You're not supposed to eat with them. This seems very odd to me. I know we discussed this this morning, Eric, that that it, it would be natural for them. But that just proves that the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. They're spiritually discerned. They say nothing that... Why'd you preach the good news to the Gentiles? We don't, we don't hear that accusation. Why'd you baptize the Gentiles? No, we don't hear that. They seem to have agreed with this preaching to them. Verse 4, Peter recounts the vision, which we just read. I was in the city of Joppa. I was praying. I had a vision. Basically, God told me, the Gentiles are okay. Go with them. I, yes, it, it came to me. It was, a, it was a sheet with a bunch of different animals. And God told me to kill them and eat them. But they were unclean animals. Verse 9, but the voice answered a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. And it happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. Then he discusses Cornelius' part of the vision. Behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them. Don't make a distinction, Peter. Go with them. You just had a, I just showed it to you three times. They're clean. Go with them. I mean, really, he wouldn't have gone with them otherwise. Probably not. You say, why would I, why would I travel with Gentiles and go to a Gentile's home and eat with Gentiles? God had to intervene in Peter's life and tell him, it's okay, do it. Y'all have been misunderstanding from the beginning. The blessing of Abraham was always meant to go to the nations, not just Israel. Y'all just misunderstood. Verse 15 through 17 As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. The Holy Holy Spirit fell on them as He began to speak the Gospel. The Gospel. Peace. There's a a bad situation if you want to think about it in a Jonathan Edwards sense. Right? You've got one foot on a banana pill and another blade swinging above your head. And it's any moment, this is a very precarious situation. God's wrath is ready. And Peter preaches to them and they believe. They receive the word and the Spirit falls on them. They become citizens of the kingdom of Jesus. 
They obey the laws of that kingdom. This is, this is interesting. Y'all think about this. Think about it. Let's say that you wanted to become citizens of Canada. You, you desire to, to immigrate to Canada. But Canada said, yeah, or Americans said, first you got to become American citizen first. Then you can go become a citizen of Canada. That, that's basically what the Judaizers are doing. You want to believe in Jesus? Okay, well first enter into the kingdom of Israel. Obey its laws and customs. Then you can go to the kingdom of heaven. That, that's ridiculous. Why, why do I need this intermediary step? And what we learned this morning, and we've learned for many, many years, you don't need the inner step. Peter sees the giving of the Spirit to the Gentiles is like what happened to them at Pentecost. And the Spirit fell on them, and they all heard the gospel in their own language, being Jews from all different areas. And proving that the Spirit was actually upon them, giving them gifts and abilities that they did not have seconds before. The fact that the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and his friends and family is proof. God does not require adherence to Moses as a requirement to full membership in the kingdom of God. What's required? Faith. Faith in the name of the Messiah. In the name of Jesus. That brings about healing and what the Bible describes as adoption into the family of God. Jews, Gentiles, whoever believes in Jesus, we are told, should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes is not condemned. Why? Because the sin has been paid for. The wrath of God has been appeased. But whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already, the Scripture says. There's, no, there's really no need for a trial. There's already a verdict. God has placed His approval on His Son. If you don't believe in Him, you're condemned already. You've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You rejected God's only Son? The result is nothing except condemnation. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. Well, what about the law of Moses? Which has been a subject that's come up repeatedly for the last few months. It was fulfilled. It was ended by the new covenant. It was a tutor. Some translations say the law was a babysitter. And it feels irreverent to say that, but really it's an easy thing to think about. 
While the parents are gone, you need a babysitter. But when the parents come home, it would be ridiculous to keep the babysitter there. The babysitter goes home once the parents are back. Well, if you think about this as the law of Moses and the law of Christ, the law of Moses is the babysitter. But once Christ is here, there's no, there's no need for that. It's fulfilled. The time of it was never intended to go on for eternity. It was fulfilled. The writer of Hebrews says that it's, it's obsolete. It's been replaced. The thing that replaced it is way better. It's way better. Verse 16, Peter remembers the word of the Lord. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gifts to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And the answer is obvious. Who is Peter? No one. Get out of his way. Right? Get out of God's way. When they heard these things, they fell silent. What is there to say? They glorified God and said, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We'll talk about this another time, but this is an interesting phrase. Granted repentance. And we can touch on it briefly. But you can't even repent unless God gives you permission. And that, in the, in, the, in the way that humans are, part of me recoils at such a thought. But it is the truth. You can't repent unless God allows you to repent. And what we understand about the depravity of man makes perfect sense. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even want to repent unless God was at work in you. And if He was at work in you, then He's granted you repentance. And who does He grant repentance to? Jews and Gentiles. Verse 18, they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. There's nothing more to say. God gave the proof of His acceptance of the Gentiles. He's saving people of all nations. Whoever believes will not perish. They're saved through faith. When Jesus had appeared to His disciples after the resurrection, at the end of Luke's Gospel, the Bible says, while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, they're looking at Jesus who they just saw dead. He's now alive with them. They're still marveling. They just can't believe it. Jesus says to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. 
Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You hear that word? Fulfilled. The Old Covenant Scriptures, the law of Moses, it's fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Luke 24, 41-49. The same promise that Jesus made to His disciples that they would receive the promise of My Father is falling on the Gentiles as well. They are receiving the Helper, the Counselor, the One that Jesus said it would be better for him to go into heaven because he would send his spirit. You remember that? He will guide you. He will remind you of all things that I've commanded you. And the Gentiles have that spirit now. The Gentiles have been clothed with the spirit. And we know for certain now that God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the fact that you're saving the whole earth. Anyone. Father, we pray that you'd help us to be faithful um, ministers of reconciliation, priests to our God. Help us to Proclaim the good news to those around us. And Father, we pray that as the word is preached, that you would save. That the Spirit would fall down and cause them to be born again. Cause them to repent. Father, we pray that you'd help us today as we share the day with our dads or think about our dads. And truly, Lord, we are thankful for you. You are a a wonderful Father. We thank you for the time we've been able to look into your word and to be together today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.